Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today, I have one of my dearest friends on the show today, and I'm really happy that she's here. She and I have known each other, oh my gosh, over 15 years, and she is truly one of the most well-respected real estate professionals in our industry. Ellie Johnson is the president of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services New York Properties, and it's uh, the day before her birthday. Happy birthday and welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be with you. It is so much fun. I haven't seen you in, uh, in a while. The last time I saw you was right before this crazy pandemic started, and uh, you brought me over to your home for a beautiful home-cooked meal, and it was just wonderful to get out of the house even then. So it's been a couple of months now. Indeed it has, and I love that you said it only took you 10 minutes to get from Chelsea to my home. I know, Forty minute taxi ride. So that was one of the uh, one of the interesting things. But Ellie, look, before we even get started with the interview, this you know podcast is focused on global luxury, and New York is probably the greatest destination when you think about global luxury. And the listeners always want to have information on any territory we're talking about. So as a cosmopolitan destination, can you just tell me a little bit about the New York market in your opinion, where we are now? I know we're in a weird sort of situation with the pandemic, but you know, let's talk about you know, pre-pandemic and where you think things are going post-COVID. You know, we are so blessed to be in New York City and um, no matter what circumstances um, come to us, whether it is a financial crisis, um, terrorism or pandemics, it's such a wonderful and resilient city. And before COVID-19, we were heading to uh, what we were expecting to be an excellent uh, season in the spring and the economy was very robust and there was a lot of activity. So there was a lot of excitement and optimism. And then of course, COVID-19 occurred, things came to um, standstill. And um, gratefully, we have been able to transition very rapidly into a virtual um, internet world of um, incredible technology that um, at least my company, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, had already in place. So it was just a matter of providing a lot of uh, education to our agents and helping them kind of embrace the, the change. So there was no safety net. There was no sugarcoating. Either you were diving into this new um, technology world to do business or you might as well retire. <laughs> Right. It's true, isn't it? It's the idea that everyone had to figure out how to make their home their office, and in some cases, be the school teacher for their children, and to be the dog walker, and to be everything else. So not only are you the CEO of your own company, but you ran four jobs now. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, um, obviously, there is a certain quality of um, individual and certain traits, if you will, that are necessary to be in the landscape of residential real estate. And that starts with being self-disciplined and motivated. 
and I think that um, for some people, the transition in New York City, perhaps a little more difficult than in the suburbs, simply because not everybody has the luxury of uh, a lot of space in their personal home uh, living. So, you know, when you look at Zoom meetings, you, you, um, you know, your eye wanders into the backdrop of uh, people's homes and you see people are working from their dining room tables, like myself, or are working from their living rooms, or they're working from their bedrooms, uh, wherever there is a comfortable spot. And when it comes to dealing with um, all the distractions, once again, I think the, the strongest character that a real estate agent could have today is to be able to really be hyper-focused and not be distracted. Uh, by when virtual backdrops come in handy. <laughs> well, you know, yes and no, because you know, unless you have all the equipment uh, for the proper lighting and this and that and the other, you know, sometimes all you see is shadows. Uh, but it's, um, it's, it's been a, quite an interesting journey, that's for sure. Listen, ring lights became my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I got them early and then all of a sudden Amazon ran out of them. <laughs> Uh, there you go. <laughs> but, um, Ellie, as I said, you know, you and I have known each other such a long time, and you're one of my dearest, dearest friends. And I'd like to uh, ask you, for the sake of our listeners, tell me the story of how you got started in the industry. Uh, the short version or the long version? <laughs> Listen, whatever version you like. I still have a whole slew of questions to ask you. Well, you know, I was, um, um, I lived in San Francisco Bay Area in a beautiful town called Walnut Creek. At the time, was not well known, but now it's quite famous, I guess. Um, and um, I was raising my children and staying at home. I had the privilege to stay home for about 13 years. Um, and when my youngest was about five years old, I, I knew I wanted to do something different, get out of my home get, uh, and be creative. And I had the opportunity to work for a real estate broker that was quite successful. And she, um, it was the ideal perfect job for me. It was a part-time opportunity that presented itself to me. And in my head, I thought, great, is down the street from my oldest son's uh, university at St. Mary's College in Moraga, California. I'm going to work nine to one. I'm going to pick up my five-year-old from preschool, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, after a year of working with Jane Robinson, who I absolutely adore, and taught me everything there was to be known about um, client service and, and really... Um, you know, just showing up and, and doing the best you could for your clients. Um, I got my real estate license and there was a coal banker office uh, near my home in Walnut Creek. And I thought, well, I think I need to be closer to home if I'm going to do this full time. So in my first year, I am proud to say I sold 14 homes and I was the rookie of the year for um, the Colo Banker brand at the time. And I, I have to say that I'm grateful for, um, for that experience because it set the platform for my career. That's amazing. And so, okay, so you were a very successful agent in San Francisco and then you moved back to New York City, correct? 
That is correct. My husband was born and raised in New York City, and I was at the pinnacle, at the top of my career. I was quite successful. I had my own team. Um, I was making a lot of money um, in the 1990s. Um, and in 2000, um, I moved to New York, and um, I felt like, um, you know, I felt like Alice in Wonderland and I fell down the hole, the rabbit hole, because the um, contrast between the West Coast real estate practices and the East Coast were so far apart from each other. So I had to quickly um, start from the ground up again. And I decided that I had uh, enough confidence in myself and, and skill sets. And I started my own company in 2000 in New York City. And um, I, the rest is history. <laughs> well, it's not history. We're going to go through your history. So <laughs> this is your life, Ellie Johnson. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> Great show. Um, that's it. So, okay. So now you're back in New York. And why on earth did you decide to start your own firm? <laughs> well, you know, it, that's an easy question, uh, answer for me, to, because I felt that the New York uh, real estate industry was lacking a lot of um, technology, believe it or not, at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was very blessed to have grown up in my career on the West Coast, so uh, late 80s we were already doing um we were doing a st uh, staging we were doing uh virtual tours we were uh really um pioneers in the technology platforms and i felt that um some of the companies um I found it very um, surprising that many, many brokers with incredible portfolios and many years of experience did not have their broker's license. And, um, you know, the, the companies were just so managed and run so differently from what I was used to. And I was very, um, from day one, I was trained and taught that I was self-employed. And you used the word being a CEO of your own company. And that's how I was taught. To, to run my own business within the umbrella of a wonderful brand. And I was very um, loyal to, I am still to this day, to, to brands that I believe in and, and products that I believe in. So I, I couldn't find the right fit for me. And I knew that the level of client services that I wanted for my clients, and at the time I already had developed a large portfolio of um, global clients so there was a certain expectation from them and I decided to um, open my own company um, it was called executive brokers I opened on 57th and 5th Avenue at the crown building there was an executive suite office center on the ninth floor and um, I just started to knock on doors and call on to my past clients and friends. And of course, my incredible husband, who's always been supportive, introduced me to as many people that he knew in your city growing up here. And I started doing my business. I actually love that. That's a great story. And you know, I think every successful agent is obviously an entrepreneur. We're calling them the CEO of their own business. 
Um, but then you turned to management at one point and you were with, you know, you're with the global brand now, you were with one before, and 10 years you won the President's Council Award because of your stellar, really stellar performance. And yeah, I have a question. How do you win the respect of your agents and what qualities do you have to have to motivate others? Um, the first part of your question was, um, how do you, um, how do you win the respect, of win the respect of, of your people? I yeah. think respect is won by being able to provide a service to someone, by being able to be a problem solver, by being there for them when, um, they're, they're down and navigate and providing uh, incredible support uh, to them. I think for me that is probably the most important. I th you know, respect comes from people respecting the fact that you have a certain level of knowledge, that they see value in asking you a simple question or help or helping somebody are you know uh, negotiate or articulate uh, or create a strategy um, a lot of people are very good at their jobs but they're not capable of teaching and i think you have to be a good teacher now what was your second question michael sorry <laughs> the qualities to In your uh, <laughs> to motivate others the quality to motivate others um I think it's important to, the only way you can motivate other people is by action. Uh, do as you um, say or ask people to do. I think you lead by example. If you uh, are just sitting on a perch um, giving orders or um, asking people to do things, it's not going to have the same results of inspiration or motivation as when they see you. Um, and I'll give you a very nice example. When I first um, joined this company that I went to work, a very uh, high-profile real estate company in New York City, there was a very top-producing broker that I was hosting my sales meeting, and it goes back to that respect. And, um, you know, I was new to New York. They didn't know me. I was completely different from what I guess they were expecting. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but this one person said to me, how are you going to help us? And I said, well, you tell me what you need from me and I will help you. And she said, well, I don't know how to type and what happens if I need a letter and no one's here. And I said, well, I will be more than happy to type it for you if that is going to drive business into the company and it's going to help you execute a transaction. And it was uh, shocking. And this person put me to the test one day and brought me a letter to type. And I typed the letter and we became very close friends. That's a great story. And, you know, I got to tell you something because, you know, that company, we both worked for that company. And there was a lot of instances where we were doing franchise sales. And, you know, since New York was the most successful office that you operated, uh, it was that thing where, you know, you do the dog and pony show and you show off the New York office and you sit with Ellie Johnson and 
you sat with everyone and there was nothing that you were getting from it. And it was just the idea of saying, I'm here. I understand that New York is pivotal to any deal within the brand and I'm just here to help. And that was something that you, you, it was that, that level of respect was infinite for you in that regard. And the reputation that you built was just extraordinary. Thank you, Michael. That's very kind of you. And, um, you know, I believe that we become successful when we are doing something that comes naturally to us, but more importantly, something that we believed in. And this is why I think, um, you know, the you are the company you keep correct yes. so i think is quite it's important whether you are just starting your real estate career and whether you're local or global or you are running your own company or working for a company it is uh, crucial that you believe in in your product and um that it's something that is it's aligned with your core values with your dna you know, it's so true because that's the only thing that we have to rely on is our own DNA, right? And so, you know, I want to go back to something you said. You said that you had won the respect of your top agents by, by typing that, that letter in that particular instance. But I know that you actually ran, as I said, the most successful office of this um, brand. And in so doing, you had a lot of top agents and very high-powered agents in New York City. And so I'm curious how you continue to create a culture where you kept those high-powered agents and the very successful ones very happy and still were motivating those that were, let's say, right underneath them or still aspiring and, um, and still keeping both sides of that equation happy. How did you strike that balance? How did you create that culture? Because that's a tricky sort of tightrope to walk. You know, it is and it is. And again, it comes to authenticity. And I think that for me, um, more first and foremost, you have to treat every single person individually and maybe being a parent has helped me and the training that you get as uh, as you are parenting children and now grandchildren um, not parenting them but being their grandmother and it's about uh, allowing people to be unique and and different and be able to cohabitate and work together as a team and reinforcing their uniqueness and their qualities that and i am a firm believer that in order to um, grow and expand you have to give away whatever knowledge or skills you have so i was very uh, capable in encouraging my top salespeople to really help the younger people up and coming and i'm very proud to say that over my career uh, in management and even when i was in the trenches i have been uh, able to help other people grow and develop their businesses and be quite successful. And that's part of the reason why I have so many relationships, people that still write to me and say, Ellie, because of you, uh, I achieved this and that and the other. And, you know, 
I never did any of those things to get those accolades. I did it because um, you you have to bring out the best in people and and sometimes in order to do that you have to get to know them and you know what was really unique and interesting to me when i was uh to this day when i'm you know i manage people and, and that's a very um specific unique skill that not everybody has and what i am able to do with um, managing people is I you number one you have to get to know them not just professionally but personally because you know you are um, as a whole your your life has all these different um, compartments right and you have your personal life and then you have your personal life but one cannot function without the other so if you are aware of something that is personal of someone whether it's a joyful moment or a difficult period of time that they're going through you then can be able to assess where their um, fears are coming from what their obstacles are that are preventing them from being successful or, or working um, and being happy and, and in a good environment. So that's really critical. I think that, you know, short answer to your question is that you really have to invest time in getting to know people in a very intimate, personal way and treat them as individuals. Uh, the compare and despair doesn't bring any anything good to anyone. So you have, you know, again, whoever is in front of you, you have to make them feel like they're the center of the world, whether it's your entry-level agent or your top agent. Uh, and I think that's um, building, that's all built on trust. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I think that was a beautiful statement. It's really just in not only, and it's so basic, isn't it? You're just learning about the individual. So it has nothing to do with real estate. It has just everything to do with humanity and knowing what makes somebody tick and, as you say, their fears and mm -hmm. what concerns them and what motivates them. It, it, it really is that idea of mentorship um, because that encompasses all of that. It's, it's, it's really a beautiful statement and, and yet so simple. Yeah, but you also have to know your business. You know, I again, I was very blessed to have, like I said, um, grown up in um, California and in my career. And as a matter of fact, I'm just working on my broker's license, continuing it for California right now. And, uh, you know, that broker's license is renewed every four years. And every year the tests are more complex than ever because there is a lot of... Um, the real estate law that is incorporated into the California business practices because it's not an attorney state. So I remember uh, to this day many times uh, my uh, in-house counsels at my current company, my prior company, uh, they would reach out to me for real estate law comments versus business law or corporate law because they're in-house counsel and they might be working in multiple markets but it's something that i am so grateful to have that knowledge i'm not an attorney by trade but i can guarantee you that my knowledge of real estate law is pretty deep and um, that is incredibly helpful when you are in the trenches day by day. I'm not practicing real estate law, of course, but it's nice to know 
what the right answers are. And there's nothing more satisfying that when I sent an inquiry to my um, attorney where an agent is struggling with a you know a transactional issue and i incorporate what i think should be the correct action to take and the response from our legal counsel is you you correct so it it makes me feel uh, confident well yes and it all comes from that experience and knowledge that you have and it's really the amazing career that you've had in the business um, I want to ask you, what's the greatest lesson you ever learned from one of your failures? Mm. Goodness, you know, I wish I could say that it's just one of my fel failures, but <laughs> I think there are many failures in life. And, you know, I, um, I'm a, a glass half full kind of person, so I'm very optimistic most of the time. And I, I always say, uh, when people say to me, uh, I have a problem, I said, we don't have problems, we have challenges. Right. And we have opportunities for growth. So for me, a failure is, is more of a, uh, they had been many um, roads, uh, many blocks on the road, many stepping stones. And um, I, you know, 30 years ago, um, last year, um, my, I lost my youngest daughter. And after she passed away, you know, I keep hearing the word, um, there's gonna be a new norm after COVID-19. And uh, there are moments in our lives where um, I don't consider the loss of my daughter a failure, but it was a very important time in my life that redefined me and, and created a new norm. So when I hear COVID-19 new norm, you know, I know uh, that there is a new norm waiting for us on the other side. And from failures comes a lot of strength. Mm. And I, um, you know, there are times when we are the most critical people with ourselves than with others. And there are things that we've done that perhaps were not really failures, but we felt that they were failures. And the could have, should have, would have kind of things. So I think what I have learned from, you know, failures is that. Um, every day we have an opportunity to, to correct them mm. or every hour, every minute for that matter. And it's having the awareness as to where did I fail. And I think I, I don't really care for the word failure. I think it's more of where did I make a mistake and, and how did I grow from that mistake? And as a human, we are going to make mistakes and it's what makes us strong and, and makes us grow. If we um, take those moments, those opportunities to, to reflect on how can I improve this? And it could be personal, professional or otherwise. So I, I hope I answer your question. I, I mean, probably not, but. <laughs> well, first of all, I thank you for sharing such a personal story and um, you know, it's you and I have spoken about it many times in the past, and it's always an opportunity to always offer those condolences as well. But it's it's really your um, your 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 amazing sort of insight into 
such a tragedy happening in your life, but then how you embrace so many other people and you embrace everyone around you with such love as does, you know, you and, and, and Jay, your husband and your entire family. And you make everyone feel an extended part of your family as you do with me. And for that, I thank you. Um, and it is such a beautiful quality about you and, and, and really just, just thank you for sharing such a personal story. Um, and so staying on your family, um, as I mentioned, Jay is, uh, uh, your wonderful husband. He just recently retired. He's a great chef as well. Every time I come up with your house, there's always a brand new dish. That's amazing. And, uh, as you said, you built this wonderful family and you know your wonderful parents and grandparents and now you're enjoying your grandchildren and spending time with them and now you're in your home in 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 uh in the country and uh you obviously have your brownstone here in new york how do you balance your life with your family with enjoying life with still work you're are the the president of a of a large corporation here with uh, with Berkshire Hathaway New York uh, Services? Tell me how you balance all of that wonderfulness. Well, you you know you mentioned my husband retiring, and I tell you, it's the best. Um, it's an amazing blessing right now because. I am convinced that if we were both working right now from home, we probably would have killed each other by now, <laughs> just looking for space. But um, it's fantastic. You know, he is incredibly um, loving and supportive of anything I do in my life. He's my biggest cheerleader. And he prepares all my healthy meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He makes sure that we go for walks or a simple run. So we exercise at least every day, if not every other day. And um, he is the one communicating with the children and coordinating the Zoom meetings for Easter or coordinating the birthday drive-through for one of the grandchildren. And he just make sure that it's on my calendar so we have a great rhythm together and as a matter of fact um you know he calls may ellie's month because it's mother's day is my birthday is our anniversary <laughs> and uh, so many wonderful things happen in may for us uh, so our anniversary is coming on the 28th as well we'll be married 37 years and uh known each other for 41 Wow. Uh, pretty much his, uh, his entire career. He was with Hilton Hotels for 41 years. And we met, um, it was a hotel romance in the days that, you know, you kind of were able to still date someone at work, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But, um, you know, they say behind every man, there's a wonderful woman. I have to say before, behind every wonderful woman, there's a wonderful man, too. Oh, that's beautiful. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to see you two together. And, you know, it's also inspirational. You know, Jay's a triathlete. I love that. And, you know, it's uh, half the times that I come over, it's like, oh, Jay's on a 10-mile bike ride or he's on a run. And it's just sort of like, okay, fine, show me up. That's fine. <laughs> 
Well, I tell you, talking about how do we inspire people, right? How do we motivate them? He motivates me uh, because, trust me, if it was up to me, I don't think I would exercise. But, you know, when you have a husband that's so fit, you better get him going and do something. (laughs) Got to get on board. Listen, we have have our, our, our little runs around Central Park after the museum. That's always a good stuff, too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I have a question. If you weren't doing real estate, what would Ellie be doing? Oh, my goodness, Michael. Yes. That's a great question. And I can tell you that um, I would probably be reading lots of books. I love to read. <laughs> I would be... Um, just I meant, uh, I meant as a career. Had you not had real estate, <laughs> you not just now, darling. Not just I just sold a ten million dollar house. I'm going to go read a novel. You see that? That was a, that was an easy way out. I like it. No, um, these are much harder I, questions. You know, I I'll be very honest with you. I um I think. I would have been very good in a, in the financial world. I would be doing something connected to, um, you know, portfolio management, asset management, um, stockbroker. Um, it's so interesting because the basic uh, math, like you know, I couldn't build a rocket or I couldn't become an engineer, but. Um, financial math, um, uh, not that I'm great at spreadsheets, but I'm very good at doing analytics. So I, I think I would be, um, I would like to explore that uh, farther. And you came from the financial world and you went into real estate. So maybe it does make sense. It's the other side of the coin. I don't There are know. some synergies for sure. You know, you're dealing with the same clientele if you're doing luxury real estate, especially. Correct. And it's the idea that there is a lot of that that comes into play and when you start thinking about you know negotiations and you start thinking about all of that there there is a lot of financial play that comes into Mm -hmm. that so yeah that's an interesting um uh you know career choice but it's never too late not if i know ellie johnson (laughs) (laughs) i know you know i think i think uh for most of us in real estate you know you hear it in many different said in different ways you know like is the negotiations are part of the thrill for me it's the strategy and and it's using my brain i i love to to solve puzzles i love to um, you know, look at um, alternatives when somebody, you know, like I said, when, when I, I'm f- faced with a challenge, I'm always looking for, you know, what are we missing? What is the, uh, you know, the missing part? Thinking outside the box. Yep. Yep. I love that too. That's another reason we love each other. It's always <laughs> thinking outside the box. And so I have one final question for you, and this is a doozy as well. Uh Uh-oh. What is the legacy that you'd like to leave behind? That I was a kind person. That I made a difference in someone's life for the better. Well, I think you've already achieved that for sure. You are someone who is 
such an inspiration to me, such an inspiration to our entire industry. And you really do inspire so many, Ellie. I am so appreciative of our friendship, of the mentorship that um, you've shown me. And it really has been a pleasure to have you on the show and to have you in my life. So thank you for being on the show, Ellie. Oh, thank you, Michael. I am so much appreciated. And also, I want to congratulate you on your new role with your new company. They're very fortunate to have you as well. And I know that our journeys will continue together in one form or another because I, um, you know, my friendships are for life. Mine too. And, you know, you can't get rid of me at this point. It's been 15 years. <laughs> And so, and thank you, Ellie, again. Thank you, all of you, for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thank you very much. Bye.